Good evening, Newark, and welcome back once again to our live Friday Night with Friends. Today is February 19th, 2021, and we want to welcome you to our broadcast. I am super excited about our broadcast tonight. I've been looking forward to this for several weeks now because I am delighted to bring a very special guest. It's a husband and wife combo, and they can go ahead and turn their video camera back on and come off of mute now. And so Newark family, you know very much how much we love missions and how we love supporting missionaries. And so tonight we are privileged to have special guests with us. This is Lonnie and Jill Vestal. And Lonnie and Jill Vestal are people that we have supported monthly with PIMs. They have not been able to be with us in person yet. So we're delighted to have them on tonight in our Friday Night with Friends broadcast. They just returned to the States um, right before Thanksgiving, due to COVID, they were going to be there longer, but due to the global pandemic, they were forced to leave the country they were working in and come back to the United States. But they have spent the last year in Vanuatu, which is an island nation in the South Pacific. I don't want to say too much because I'm going to let them do that and talk all about their field of labor and what they've done and perhaps what's coming next and all kinds of things. This couple and their two children, Levi and Reagan, have been financially supported by our church as partners in missions. You know when you give monthly to missions, we support many missionaries. This is one of those missionary families, and we are honored to have them online tonight with us for our live Q&A. I don't doubt that you'll have plenty of questions, so I'm going to let them talk. I may interject a little bit here and there. And in about 30 minutes, Vincent's going to join us, and he'll start feeding them questions from the audience. So I think tonight's going to be a lot of fun, and I'm looking forward to it. So I'm going to stop talking, get out of the way, and Lonnie and Jill, welcome to the broadcast. Thank you so much for making time for this. Thank you so much. And I'll, uh, I'll say one other thing I forgot. I apologize. They are actually in the midst of traveling themselves right now. So if you hear a bit of an odd audio or something, just be patient with us. They are holed up in a corner. I think it's funny. They're in a hotel, and I think you're in the pool room, right? You are in the pool room, yes. <laughs> They're in a corner over by the indoor pool at a very empty hotel because people aren't traveling right now. But I appreciate you making time for us. In the broadcast. Yes, yes. Well, again, uh, it's it's a joy to be with y'all tonight, and uh, and thank you for inviting us, uh, Desi, and and thank you Newark United Pentecostal Church for your support over the last uh, year while we were in Vanuatu. It means a lot to us, and uh, as we'll show you tonight, we uh, did have a very successful and productive uh, time there in Vanuatu. We were furloughed replacement missionaries for Peter and Robin Gratian, uh, who were stuck in the United States while we were stuck over in Vanuatu. And uh, so, uh, but uh, we, we thoroughly enjoyed our time. It was our first foray into missions and uh, we, we enjoyed every minute of it. And uh, matter of fact, I think we'll probably mention this at least once or twice. Uh, I've got two kids, and both of them have said they wish they were back in Vanuatu. <laughs> so, uh, are your names and how old are they? Uh, my uh, my oldest is Levi. He's 16 years old, and Reagan is 14. We have a son and a daughter. 16. So yes, uh, Levi and Reagan. Uh, they they were both hesitant when we first began, and by the time we we left, you know, they were thoroughly engaged. And when we got back, they began to miss, miss the missions work and miss Vanuatu. So 
Um, so again, thank you, Newark United Pentecostal Church for supporting us. And, um, I, you know, I thought what we would do, uh, I normally do all of the talking and my wife is usually happy to, yes, to let me call. Not along. So, uh, so I normally, if I'm preaching out, I know not to ask her to testify or, uh, I hear, I hear about it later, but I asked her earlier if she wanted to say something and to my surprise, she did. And so what we're going to do tonight here in the next uh, 20 some minutes or so, I'm going to have her uh, just talk about how we came to be involved in missions work. And then I'll, I'll talk a little bit about what we did uh, while we were over there. Okay. So Jillio. My turn. Yep. Well, I too, I just want to thank you all for your support. Every time I bought groceries, I would think about the people back home and I, I get emotional still, but I, what you did make, made what we did possible. And I, I just want you to give you my heartfelt thanks. I so appreciate it. And um, so I, when he asked me if I wanted to talk, I, I thought it would probably be a good thing to talk about how we got into missions. Wonderful. I, I always felt as a young girl, we would have the missionaries come to our church and give us their presentation and I would cry and bawl through the whole thing. And I always felt a call to it. And then I went to Bible school, met Lonnie, we got married and he never seemed, he never seemed interested in missions. He was a preacher, he wanted to teach, he taught at the Bible school. And I thought, well, I guess this is my ministry. We're going to be Bible school teachers or pastors, or I'm not going to be in missions. And then I had kids. When the kids were little, my attitude kind of changed. I had, we had missionaries come through and I would think, I'm so thankful I don't have to drag my babies onto the mission field. And I even told Lonnie that a couple times. And I, I must not have conveyed to him how I felt when I was younger, how I felt drawn towards missions. And Things started happening. We kind of felt like we were transitioning and God started reminding me of that desire I had had as a young girl for missions. And he reminded me that I had said, I'll go wherever you, I, I, more than once through my tears, I would, I told him, I'll go wherever you want, to, want me to go. And as a 17 year old. Prayers, doesn't he? Yes, yes, and he will remind you of them. He, I, I, as a 17-year-old kid, I thought, I'm sorry? Be careful what you pray for in New York. Be careful what you, yes, be careful what you agree to in prayer. <laughs> but he started reminding me of those prayers that I had as a young teenager. And as a teenager, I thought, I'm, I'm ready. Put me on a plane, I'm ready to go to Africa. Yeah. But I wasn't as a 17 year old kid. I was not, it would have been unsuccessful to say the least. And so it took a long time for God to bring me to the point where I was ready to be a missionary. And as I said, we started feeling like we were transitioning. We had a church um, and we just felt like there was something different that we were supposed to do. Yeah. If I can jump in, just so we're clear, because our, our new work family doesn't know this. You two pastored a church in where? We pastored a church in Mason, Ohio for 13 years. We started a church. There was nothing there. At a church in Ohio. Yes, we started. When we went, there was nothing there. Um, and when we 
when we went there's nothing there when we left we left josh and alejandra stewart who are have a thriving spanish work and we're so proud of what they're doing um and so one day it became clear that the spanish work was what was supposed to be there and we re we resigned and we're trying to figure out what we we're supposed to do and like I said, the Lord, I hadn't said anything to Lonnie, but the Lord had been reminded me, emissions, just kind of recultivating that. And we were speaking with the Shams at a, at a conference. The Shams are missionaries to Pakistan. Well, they were for years. They're now in Malaysia. Um, but we were talking to them about, we didn't know what we were gonna do and asking them to just pray for guidance. And they asked Lonnie what they felt like, what he felt like his, his calling, his gifts were. And he said, well, I love to teach. I love to teach Bible school. And they said, well, would you teach overseas? And I saw the light go on. It's like the light bulb over his head. And it, it just, it was a God moment for me. It was, it was like, I saw that that's what he'd been preparing me for. And Lonnie agreed to it immediately knowing what I had said through the years that I was so glad <laughs> we were like you weren't dragging your face that way around the world. <laughs> right. And he said, yes, I would be. And he looked at me and he said, I know you're freaking out right now, but I would would be willing. And I said, I'm not surprised. I've been expecting this. I didn't know how it would come about, but here it is. And I just felt like sharing that because what you maybe feel called to today, you're not gonna do today. It might take you several years for God to get you to the place where you can actually be effective and successful. So whatever you're calling, you feel like you're calling or your gift is, don't get discouraged when it doesn't happen tomorrow. You keep working at what, that's my timer, my time is up. No, your time's not up. <laughs> I just want to encourage you to don't don't lose your dream. Don't get discouraged. God's not a waster. He, you're not wasting your time. You keep preparing for what you feel like you need to do. So, right. so if you'll go, I, I'm master of the clock here. So I say she gets a few more minutes. So <laughs> how did, so, so you go from pastoring a church in Ohio, feel there's change coming, the spirit's leading you. You take this very bold step. You two resign as pastors of a church. You're seeking God's direction. You're speaking to some elders in your life who are missionaries. And, and they said, would you consider this? And you say, yeah, we'd consider it. Well, how do, you, how do you get from talking to a missionary in Pakistan to an island in the South Pacific? Well, the next thing after we told Brother Shalm that we would be willing to go, he put us in touch with Brother Buckland. And Brother Buckland contacted us and just... Let us. So, for those of you, tell our people if they don't know who are the Brother Buckland is a longtime missionary. I believe he started in the Philippines, but now he's the regional director over the Pacific region. And uh, he let us know about a few needs in that had to do with Bible college work. Um, there were several countries that needed a Bible school. Some of them had a Bible school and needed a teacher, but. A long story short, it worked out best to go to Vanuatu because the Gratians were coming off the field. They the were 
UCI missionaries. Who Peter and Robin Gratian are the missionaries in Vanuatu. Uh, they've been there for about now nine years or so. Uh, they think they just now finished up their second deputation as missionaries to Vanuatu. So yeah, that would make about eight or nine years. And so they were coming off the field in 2020. The starter deputations. Right. Say, to start they, starting deputation again. Right, right. And they had a, they had a good Bible school um, that had uh, night classes and day classes. So they had, uh, I think, about 25, 30 students that were uh, already enrolled. And uh, that's good. That's good for, for the nation of Vanuatu. They have, there's only about 280,000 people in the nation itself. So the main work that we did while we were over there was, was in the Bible school. I also was the uh, pastor at the uh, All Nations Church, an overseeing type pastor. They had a, uh, Brother Jeffrey Tahapath was, was the pastor, but uh, I kind of stepped in um, to Brother Gratian's role as more or less just an overseer and helper and they even asked me to preach a few times, so uh, I enjoyed that as well. <laughs> but but it was pastoral type work, uh, Bible college work, and then the really enjoyable things that we got a chance to do were the the mission trips within the mission trips. Um, the first one that we had the opportunity to be a part of was a brand new work on the island of Anaitum, which is at the southernmost tip. Of the, of the string of islands that is the nation of Vanuatu. Uh, the story there is that they didn't have a work or they didn't have a, a, a pastor. They had one or two, I think it was a husband and wife that were baptized in Jesus name while they were in the city of Port Vila. They had retired and it's very common when someone retires from a job, they will go back to the island that they grew up where they grew up because they have tribal lands there and they can build them a home and, and live, uh, live the island life, as they say. So these two people had gone back to the island of Anaitum. Nobody else there knew the name of Jesus, uh, baptism in Jesus' name, infilling of the Holy Ghost. And, uh, and so they were there for a long time by themselves. They were asking for help from some of the pastors in Port Vila. So the pastors sent help. And I was one of the missions that went there to teach because they had no pastor. Uh, they were trying to raise up and um, get from, from it's, it's very difficult because there's no internet. So what we're doing where we're Skyping or we're not Skyping, but we're, we're Zooming now. <laughs> Skype is 20 years ago, <laughs> but we're Zooming. It's not going to work in that island. <laughs> there's no such thing as uh, there's no such thing as computers. So this is a very remote uh, village. Matter of fact, this might be the good time just to show you where we were. Uh, yeah. If I can pull up this picture, I'll put it up on the screen. Actually, let me uh, pull up the picture first. No problem. And uh, I do apologize. This is my first major Zoom call. And so I, I'm still figuring this out, but uh, it's fine. You're okay. Here is a picture of the village. Where did it get off to? Here it is. All right, now I'm going to try to share this with everybody. Sure. 
it is. There we go. It's coming up. So, so this is the village of Port Patrick. And uh, it's very, very obvious, as you can tell, very, very primitive. And uh, while we were there. Right here, that's how they cook. They you know, do fire cooking. Yes. Yeah. And uh, Jill hates it when I show this picture, but I'm going to show it anyways. This this was the bathroom. Of she, all the pictures he could show, he shows the bathroom. <laughs> and this is like the village bathroom, right? <laughs> the, the village the bush bathroom. toilet is what they yeah. call it. Uh, let me skip ahead to uh, one or one or two others that I have here. And so, and this was this was what we ate. This is how they cooked there in Port Patrick. Uh, so we had uh, a lot of fish and a lot of rice. So we went to a NYCHAM for a whole week. And while we were there, we taught um, usually twice in the morning. And then we also would have a night service. So we worked like nonstop. We worked nonstop. It was Pastor Jeffrey, myself, and then there was actually a lady who was able to come to t to train the the ladies how to teach Sunday school to get a Sunday school program started. So the three of us worked round the clock. We lived there in the village. Um, we had a blast. We had an absolute blast. We 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 taught for uh, three or four days. Nobody had received the Holy Ghost. Nobody got baptized. But the fourth day happened to be a national holiday. It was Chief's Day, and the chief of the, uh, of Port Patrick invited us to come to their their central area, their meeting area, and preach. And, and nobody there had heard Jesus' name, baptism, anything like that. So we went there for the first time, and we baptized our first one that night. Um, Obviously, there were two there that already had been baptized, but we baptized our first one there that night. We baptized two more uh, the following day, and that was toward the end of our of our week there. Uh, toward the end, let's see, that would have been Friday. The last day and a half, we had to go back to another village where we were dropped off by the small plane. A little, little prop plane is how we got to the island. So we had to go back to this other village to, to make our flight out of there. And uh, while we were there in this other village, we were trying to establish another work. So we we taught for like a day and a half at this other village before we left. And, and so uh, we learned later that after we left, all of the people there, the, the, the people had been going to the church, which was about 15 or 20, uh, they they wanted to go back to their little church and, and have a service, just the just the 15 or 20 of them, and God filled them with the Holy Ghost. Those three that had been baptized, they got the Holy Ghost after after we left. So so we found like out. God doesn't have to use you or something. <laughs> I know, I know. I, I like it when He does, because <laughs> because I'm human. You know, I, I want to lay hands and see Him get the Holy Ghost. Lay hands on people and see it happen, but you know. <laughs> Spirit can move without Lonnie Vestal, huh? Right, right. Well, uh, the, the, the word travels slow, so about a week or so later, we heard from Brother Robert, uh, the, the, the married man uh, who was first baptized. We heard that they had gone back and had a service, and 
they've got the Holy Ghost. Uh, so that was one thing that we did that was very, very enjoyable. Um, now, um, let's see here. I've got just a few other. I already showed you one picture. I'll show you another picture of the. Um... Now, are you guys able to see that? I see the campfire picture, right? With the you see the campfire picture. Let me back up. By the way, this is Jill's my favorite. This is Jill's favorite picture uh, of, of one of the babies there in a nightchum. So um, it's adorable. Is that a boy or a girl? It's a boy. That's a boy. And you'll notice they have she has blonde hair. Blonde hair. It's very common for them to have blonde hair or red hair. So very beautiful children. And there's plenty of them. Now I'm skipping over. By the way, I'll just show you. This is the market. This is where you buy your. your is, that, is that like a chicken in a box? That's a Which, chicken, and there's some crab there. There's next a chicken. To it. There's a crab. There's some yams, manioc, manioc root, obviously coconuts. When you go to the market, you can buy all those things. And then they have a, an American. I saw a fish head picture too. Yeah. Yeah, the fish heads. <laughs> uh, well, by the way, well, since we're talking about food, I'll show you. This is a. This is lap lap. This is a traditional dish. If you look in the middle, you'll see that it's like a white pasty. Um, okay. Almost like a cake that's been baked together with vegetables, usually chicken, and it's all wrapped in a banana leaf. They wrapped it up. They wrap it up in many banana leaves, mm -hmm. uh, covered in with coconut milk. Put it over the fire and it and, and cover it with rocks and it just bakes slowly for hours and they get it all out or they get it out and everyone sits around and eats the uh, eats it it's a what's the consistency like it looks almost like a paste or something so it is so this is probably manioc the white stuff that you see is manioc that they i'm sorry what is manioc manioc is a root vegetable it's a plant and they like use the root or a root vegetable. Yeah, yes. So they pound that root out and make this paste. Mm -hmm. And it is very similar to paste. It tastes like paste. And hey, like a paste. Bit of chicken and vegetables thrown in. <laughs> right. Jill didn't care for that so much. I didn't mind it. I liked it. Uh, okay, so this is the truth. here is the other thing that we uh involved ourselves with quite a bit. Every Sunday was church. By the way, those pews come from uh, Brother Rusty Bennett's church in uh, Kentucky. Kentucky. So um, uh, so this was All Nations Church. You can't really tell from the picture, but it's about 150, 200 people and uh, many, many children in this church. Um, more, more women than there are men, uh, but Every Sunday, we would have uh, a, usually a long service, about two plus hours, two, two and a half hours. And uh, the first time that I preached was actually August when I went there for a month to um, just to be with Brother Gratian and work with him. And it was so hot. It was so hot. I, I preached in a suit. And not only did I have a suit on, but I had a suit and tie, and I had a lay, a very clothy lay that they had made. And I forgot, to, I, I didn't think about it, so I didn't take it off. And I, I was sweating buckets. <laughs> um, but 
So I, I have to know, because this is the kind of question our church would ask. You know, now you've been there, you're, you're, let's say we're six months in. Were you still preaching in a suit and tie and a lay? I always preached in a, the, the lays were something they would give you as, as a gift when you came the, for, for the first time. Well, not really for the first time. Usually if you, came, if you showed up at a church, they would honor you with a lay. Uh, but which is I, like a, a necklace wreath type. Yes, item. it's the wreath, usually of flowers or yarn. Sometimes they would make them out of out of yarn. And I would, uh, I got to wear if I was preaching, like at the at a conference or a meeting, I would take it off before I preached. Um, but the first time I preached there, I was afraid. I was not wasn't familiar enough with the culture. I didn't want to be offensive and take it off. Uh, so I, I left it on. <laughs> just preached. now, it, just, it makes me wonder if there's people whispering in the audience, like, "Why is the white man still wearing the lay while he's?" Sure. Yeah, yeah. There was a lot of that. Okay, um, let me. Uh, well, there's a picture of Levi when he was just a wee little lad. Just mixed in there randomly with the other pictures. <laughs> uh, I, I could show you a few other pictures of of the work at the Bible College. And uh, I probably should do that since that's what we spent most well, of our time. Pulling that up, either while you're getting that ready, either you or Jill talk about what what does this mean to you know be working in a Bible college? So um, Lonnie did the majority of it, but he um, he taught there's there are three sessions, three sem semesters, three trimesters, and he was the primary teacher. He taught at least three classes a session. And it, a lot goes into that preparation, grading, and then actual class time. Brother Gratian has done a very good job of structuring the Bible College program. They use the GATS curriculum. Um, the GATS Brother, curriculum. Can you tell people what GATS is if they're not familiar with Global that? Apostolic Theological Studies. And it's something that's been developed by, um, I believe, by Brother Poitras. Yeah, and a team. Is you know a team of people there at Global Missions to standardize our Bible College curriculum for Pat for for missionaries who need a school and every missionary needs a school. Missionaries use this same curriculum all over the world. Yes, yes, and it is a a very well structured program. I was surprised when I first looked at it. It was very similar to uh, what you would expect if you were to get a like a four year degree at one of our Bible colleges here because it has a very good uh, structure of the biblical studies, the, um, uh, the, you know, the kinds of courses that you would take in, a, in an AA or a BA program at, at, at a Bible college here, you'll find a very similar uh, type program with, with GATS. And so uh, I was able to, in some cases, take the material that was provided by GATS that including PowerPoint lectures and teach with that material. In some cases though, uh, they had uh, Oneness of God. They had of course the Brother Bernard's book assigned as, as the uh, required reading and a few others, but I uh, was able to teach through it um, and, and create my own PowerPoint presentations uh, to go through that book, and uh, and so I, it's very it's a very flexible program, very effective program. Uh, a lot of our missionaries, I think, um, of course, we're new in the mission, so I 
don't know all things, but I think a lot of them uh, have, have the burden, they have the calling to missions, but they're not necessarily, may not necessarily be gifted at structuring or creating a Bible school. And it's one thing to teach. teach. It's another thing to, you know, whole cloth write curriculum. Right, right. And, and I think if you were to look back 20, 30, 40 years ago, whatever, at our missions program, I think a lot of the pastors or missionaries rather were just kind of left to their own devices. I don't say that in a critical way. I just think that we didn't have GATS. So when they got there and realized, hey, we need to train ministers, uh, nationals for, for pastoral work, they just had to do the best they could, um, creating a pro, you know, a program that was yeah. suitable for them. But GATS really is wonderful in that it, it anticipates uh, the kinds of courses that just about every minister is going to need to take, uh, regardless of what country they're, they're, they're in. So um, I, I'm going to have to go digging for some of those pictures. So, and I see, as I look at the clock, we're down to the last couple of minutes. So I do apologize. I'm kind of talking through, talking through most of the time. I'm going to make Jill talk again while you're looking for that picture. Jill, just share something like fun or exciting or something that really stood out to you from while, while your family was there for that year. Um, I there's so there's there's so much we learned. It, it, it's hard to to bring it down to one thing. I think one, yeah. one of the most one of the things that I enjoyed the most. The highlight of our year there was we got to spend a weekend at an, another island. We went and caught a little banana boat at the wharf and took about a half hour, forty five minute boat ride across the bay to the small little island of Nuna. And we, yeah. stayed, we stayed in a little bungalow. It, it was, you know, kind of a movie scene. The boat pulled up on the, on the beach and we jumped out in the water and had to wade to the shore and carried our stuff. And, um, and then we uh, stayed in a little bungalow and we had to walk through the brush through this, looked like it had just been cut out, out of the jungle to, to the church. So you walk through this overgrown path and it opens up and there's this shelter built up and, and we had church there. So Lonnie taught a couple sessions and we had church there and that was the highlight of the trip. We all said we enjoyed that the most. Right. Right. Just to see, to see that Island, that that's how people live. And I will say this on these remote islands, what what really surprised me is just how much these pastors love the United Pentecostal Church. I see a tendency, and again, I don't want to say this in a critical way, uh, but I think it's just part of our culture. Uh, a lot of our a lot of our uh, seminaries uh, are dropping their denominational affiliation. A lot of churches across denominations are changing the name of the church so that it doesn't reflect their their denominational affiliation and it's just the opposite when we go over there these pastors out in these villages they 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 are so proud to be part of the united pentecostal church and, and when we were in anaicha you don't get more remote than anaicha there's <laughs> zero electricity it is village lifestyle completely 
And so what we had to do is we brought in a small generator so that we could use our PowerPoint projector and we would have two services in the daytime, a night service. After the night service, we would have, um, we would have movie night. Now movie night was, was us putting up on the screen uh, because of the times church. Church service, movie night was church service. Movie night was was Jeff Arnold and these different ones that preached back in the 80s and 90s, stuff that's available on YouTube. We would find it and download it. And, and we would. And I remember so it struck me so much because Brother Jeffrey, who was with me there, he said, this is really good for them. This lets them see what we're a part of. I'll never forget that because uh, because it just again, just to see how proud they were to be part of the United Pentecostal Church. That's that's what really struck me. Um, Are you sharing? I'm going to try to share this, and I guess we'll kind of finish with this. That's fine. Uh, Go ahead and share this to the background. Vincent, if you can either tell people to start submitting questions or maybe you've already got them after he shares this next set of pictures, you go ahead and join us, Vincent, and start feeding questions. All right. Are you... Working on sharing your screen? I am. Levi would be so proud of you right now, Lonnie. Oh, he's so proud. He's so proud. <laughs> Before the call, he was talking about his dad, the dinosaur. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I can see pictures. All right, so this is me, and it's so hot. Even with the ceiling fans, we were not required to wear a suit and tie in the classroom. So, um, so that's why. But this is one of our day classes. The night class was uh, was about 20 some students. Started out as about 25, 26 students. And, uh, and honestly, had the COVID not brought us home early, we would have probably had 40 or 50 for Jill's class. They were more excited about her music class than there were any of the classes I taught there at the Bible school. <laughs> they were more excited to hear Jill than you. Huh? <laughs> Uh, that's often the case, but anyways, that's that's one of the classrooms they have there, and 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 uh, I taught two three days a week, and uh, and that that's what I did most of the time. Enjoyed it very much. Wonderful, thanks for sharing that. Yeah. Um, any other pictures you wanted to share? That's all right. You take it off. Vincent, can you rejoin us? Hey, there we go. Hello. Have we all had right. questions submitted yet? Yes, we've got a few. So the first one is, did you need a translator while you were there or did you speak the language? I did not need a translator. They all speak English. They also speak um, Bishlama and you pick it up quickly. It's a pidgin language. What does They're, that mean when you say pidgin language? That means it's a little bit of English and a little bit of their tribal blended together. And so it'll almost sound Jamaican, you know, um, Broken, kind of broken English. Broken English, and, and, and you understand every third or fourth word, and you kind of make sense of what they're saying. So it's not hard to pick up. One time when we went to a, the island of Santo, I did attempt to preach in Bishlama. Did you? And How'd that go? Not so good. <laughs> <laughs> I had help. I had Sister Noella, the, the church college secretary she she translated it for me so all i had to do was read it 
<laughs> and still, uh, I told someone later on, I said, it was, it, it was like butchering a chicken with a chainsaw. We got the job done, but there was very little meat to enjoy. <laughs> but after that, and they, they understood enough in English everywhere we went that I, was, I, I learned to preach different. I talked slower. I, uh, I found it better just to not even you. A lot of times I'll use a lot of notes, but I found it best just to uh, talk slow and do my best to connect with, with the people there rather than focus on, you know, uh, deep theological truth or something like that. So um, you learn not to use expressions. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. We <laughs> had expressions and idioms. Yeah. Yeah. So they don't, they don't translate, but we had a, a picnic once and we, we had what we call hot dogs. And every time Lonnie would say, Hey, come get a hot dog. They would laugh. And they finally said, the secretary, Sister Noella said, say sausages. Because yeah. you say hot dog, that means you've cooked a dog. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> you were not cooking dog. No. So, so there are little things like that you have to learn. Keep it, keep it simple. I also found that I like to tell jokes. Um, oh. And I tried <laughs> my best to get those students to laugh at my jokes and didn't work. Blank stares every time. Every time I prepared a joke to tell, I'd get nothing. But I would say something offhand, like if regarding a figure of speech, I would say, uh, oh, Absalom, he was a bad apple. And they would laugh their heads off. Just, just, just a little cliche, something like that, you know, but uh, yeah. Language is funny that way. Oh, yeah, yeah. We enjoyed it. So what do your kids miss the most about living there? Or uh, put the other way, what were their favorite things while living there? What do you think were their favorite things? Maybe we should ask them. For my son, I know it was their coffee. Their coffee? Their coffee, yeah. So one of the islands, great coffee. One of the islands is a volcano. And... I guess coffee grows very well on a volcanic mountain. I don't know. So the best coffee was was from Tana. I think Reagan would say she misses her friends. She made a lot of friends while she was there. She misses the people. And Levi too. He would he misses his friends there. Well it made them a little bit took him a little bit longer to make the friends than than it did with Reagan, but uh, he did he did make some friends there and I think in contact. I think the thing that they, maybe I'm just speaking for myself, but I, I, I want to think that the, what they miss is just the togetherness. Um, we, uh, I was sharing with, with uh, Brother Lugo before we got on that the, the cost of groceries was pretty high, so we had to cook. And you, you know, 19, in the 1950s, you know, the Norman Rockwell type family picture of everyone sitting around for dinner. Di family dinner was an institution. It was, it was something that you shared in common with just about everybody. Now, hardly anybody eats together. Any families eat together, but it was something, it was something to, to sit down every night, uh, at usually five or six o'clock and have a meal together. And so, um, you know, they're teenagers. So, 
they're not going to express themselves <laughs> and say, gee, Dad, really enjoying this family time, but I think well, they enjoyed it. <laughs> I'm so glad we had family dinner. Right. Right. Well, if I can jump in, just something you were sharing with me that I found amusing and surprising. You were just talking about, you know, because you're in this island in the South Pacific, and you said, believe it or not, you you mentioned coffee, but you mentioned two other things that were just absolutely delicious that you wouldn't expect. You want to share that? Right. Uh, chocolate and ice cream. And You were in the South Pacific, and you're telling me that there's amazing ice cream. An amazing yes. ice yes. cream on this little third world country island. And uh, again, this is before the broadcast, but uh, there it's a third world country, which you would think that means everybody's very, very poor. The truth is there's a lot of poor people. And then there's a lot, and then there are some very, very wealthy people. A handful of wealthy people. A handful of wealthy people. And they like, they like their chocolate and they like their ice cream. So there is a market for, there, there's a, a chocolatier in downtown Port Vila that makes the best chocolate I've ever had in my life. And uh, it was about, came out to, I think the cheapest bar you could buy would be American dollars, about $6 for a bar, of, for a good Hershey size bar of chocolate. So it was a little special occasion thing, um, but absolutely the best chocolate. A little on the less expensive side was their ice cream. Sweetie's ice cream was um, delicious and also French made. And, you know, I had a whole lot of French jokes before I went to Vanuatu. So uh, we have to be careful with that, huh? <laughs> I, I stopped telling them once I tasted their good food. <laughs> I stopped telling some of them. There's still a few of them that I have in my repertoire of jokes, but, <laughs> but the, the, you know, the, the, some of the food there was just outstanding, amazing. And yeah, that was, those were two things that you had a special, special occasion. You do chocolate. I just think of you in the future, you know, you're having dinner table conversation as you're in your travels and you're like, you know, if you want really good ice cream, right. Ever in Port Vila, Vanuatu in the South Pacific, there's this little ice cream. Absolutely. Absolutely. I brought some back. <laughs> with me chocolate it's not ice cream i brought some i brought some chocolate back <laughs> with me now this is funny we were we got back in la i had brought some back for family members i had brought back quite about 10 15 bars so i was going to pass them out to family and different ones and we decided we were done with airport that's another long story but we were done with airports the cost was going to be about the same so we were going to rent a vehicle rather than all four of us fly home and we we're going to take a few days and drive back uh -huh. We passed through Texas Bible College. While we were there, it's hot. It's Lufkin, Texas. Oh, While we were there visiting uh, with some friends, I thought, the chocolate, it's out in the car. It's going to melt. So I ran out to the car. I brought in 10 bars of chocolate. And, uh, and I thought, well, this looks dumb. Uh, I'm standing here with all this chocolate. I should offer, you know, Oh, because it's like, this is my special chocolate. You can't have any. Huh? <laughs> so so I, I said, I said, please, I said, have some of this chocolate. It's the best chocolate you ever had. So I passed it out. And uh, one of the pastors there, one of the teachers, he took a bite of it and he started doing a dance. <laughs> he really did. He said, that's the best chocolate I've ever had. So, yeah. Him. Yep. 
it's true. It's true. So, Jill, uh, related to your story, did you ever think uh, during the time between when you uh, told God you'd go wherever he wanted and then he eventually told you where he wanted you to go, did you ever think you'd misheard him regarding your desire for missions overseas? Or did you still think you would at some point get a chance because it was a promise from God? I th- I, uh, I don't think I thought I had misheard or misunderstood, misheard him. Um, you know how it is, you, you're in a, a red hot altar service and then two weeks later, the service is over and, and real life has crept in. Um, It, it was interesting to me to, to thinking back to, to remember how strong those feelings were during missionary services or just being awake in my room alone at night, how strong those were. And then so much time had passed. It, it was very, um, it was surprising when God started reminding me of, of those things. Um, am I answering this question? Yeah. Like I'm rambling. Um, so I, I don't feel like I ever thought God had forgotten me or maybe I had missed, I, I was still working. And I, being on this side of it, I look back and realized I was preparing. There were things I was doing then that was getting me ready for when I would be overseas. So I, I think that that was my point was whatever you feel, if you feel strongly about it, don't get discouraged when it doesn't happen. If the, that what you're doing right now is what you need to do because God's going to use it and he'll build on whatever, however small it may seem. If it's taking the trash out of the church, be the best trash taker outer you can be because God will use that right. someday. <laughs> and can I add something? When we, went to the mission field we weren't even sure that we were going to stay we, we just knew that they needed help and uh, you know these missionaries they're very sneaky they, <laughs> they they don't say do you want to commit your whole life to missions uh brother shalom said do you want to work at a bible college short term work at a bible college i don't know if he said short term but he just said would you be willing to teach and i just kind of assumed that yeah, we'll, we'll be happy to do that. I, I, I probably assumed that it would just be temporary as we transitioned into something else, but don't ever assume. And, uh, and so uh, when we went the whole year that we were in Vanuatu, we were praying, uh, wondering if, if perhaps there was something else for us to do, and this was just something we were doing in the interim or if this was a new phase of ministry altogether and we were going to move into missions. And it wasn't until we got back into the United States uh, in September. And again, we prayed the entire year and I talked till I was blue in the mouth and Jill and I, every morning we would walk for about an hour and talk over the same things and, you know, discuss the matter backwards and forwards, every, every which way we knew to discuss it, but had not made a decision. And obviously it was a matter, it was a constant matter of prayer, but it wasn't until we got back into the United States uh, that we made the decision that, that we were going to pursue 
missions uh, beyond the, the short-term furlough replacement assignment. Uh, so, yeah. All right. Can so, you elaborate on that just a little more? You're saying pursue it further. What, what, am I allowed to ask, what does that mean? No, no, you're not. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, we uh, talked to, again, went back to Brother Buckland, and um, I find this humorous now because I think they expected us to say thanks for the memories, you know, but we're going to move on. <laughs> but uh, we met with them again and said, we feel like we should go on in missions. And uh, they obviously were very happy and supported us. And throughout the whole process, Brother and Sister Buckland uh, and others uh, have been there for support, for guidance. They've prayed with us, um, but they have never... Um, given us a prophetic word or told us, oh, you're definitely called. And uh, they just let us come to that decision. And, and so when we did, uh, then it was a matter of where. And so I don't mind saying, but we have applied to go to the uh, nation of Malaysia um, because Malaysia is um, similar to Vanuatu in that it's in intermediate stages of development. They've got a good church. They've got some national leadership, but they need a Bible college. And uh, they um, they have just some small local works that they're using right now to train ministers, but they need a Bible school. They want a Bible school. And so uh, we're going to meet the Global Missions Board uh, in May, Lord being our helper. Uh, and if they approve us to go to Malaysia, we'll, we'll start that process. So. so this went from a, you know, we're following the leading of the spirit and we've resigned our pastorate in Ohio. And for one year we're going to go do, we're going to teach in the Bible college in an island in the South Pacific. Right. Right. Back and you're saying, well, okay, maybe it's more than a year. Now you're looking at doing like missionary work. Right. Work. Right. As a missionary. Yes. Yep. Wow. And God helps you. Um, we 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 are like most everybody else. We wanted to see big red letters across the sky, telling us, you know, go go to missions. You know, or, yeah. But the Lord just kind of, in some cases, just you know, our desire was there. It was something that we had a burden for, but it's not something you want to enter into lightly. Um, and so we did not want to, just because we were interested in missions work, we didn't want to say, yeah, we'll do it. We kind of wanted the Lord to, to feel like the Lord was truly leading us in that direction. So uh, he, he let us know in a few different ways uh, that, that we should go on. I'll just share one of those ways. <laughs> when we landed, in Los Angeles, we got back again. We got back a month or two months early. And so we were still in the throes of making that decision. We landed. We again had decided to rent a vehicle. So we rented a vehicle. That process was surprisingly simple and easy. So within 30 minutes of landing, we had a vehicle. Um, and then the very next thing we did was we went to In-N-Out Burger to get a, a burger. <laughs> because hey, I, after all, 
for the for you East Coast people who do not know how wonderful this is, we don't have a good comparison out here. But In and Out here no. here's it's not a comparison. But the only thing I can think of is you know how you go to Chick Fil A and there's like four items on the menu. Yeah. That, what Chick Fil A is for chicken, In and Out on the West Coast is for hamburger. You know you go to In and Out. And they're really good at hamburgers and cheeseburgers, and that's all they have. They have hamburgers, cheeseburgers, fries, and milkshakes. That's it. So we went to In-N-Out. We're the four of us sitting outside, again, because of COVID. We're sitting out at the little picnic area they have set up. And a fella drove up. Again, we're, we're 30 minutes back into the United States. A fella drove up, and he said, are y'all apostolic? And we said, yes. And uh, he said, I'm, I'm Patrick Woodrum. I'm the global missions director for, for Brother Huntley's church. <laughs> and he just so happened to have just got off the plane, rented a vehicle, and no, was driving around doing nothing. He, he had friends he was meeting further up north, um, but he was driving around and saw us. And, just came home. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So we, we told him who we were, and, and so we he told us who he was. He's out of Brother Brother Huntley's church in Raleigh, North Carolina. And uh, we told him we, we'll come see him. So we did. We actually, um, when we got back to see family, we drove over to Raleigh and uh, got a chance to meet him and or see him again and fellowship a little bit. But uh, that was one, you know, God can speak very directly through, through someone who has a word of knowledge or someone who's just used and God can speak to you very directly. Um, very, very seldom I, do I find he speaks with an audible voice uh, so that you have 100% certainty, but God can do that. But in our case, things like that happened over and over and over until we just realized, okay, God is pointing us in this direction. So I heard an expression once, and I really like it, it says, coincidences are when God chooses to remain anonymous. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> I like to call it non-spectacular direction. Yeah. That's probably a good way to put it too. Just all these things that keep pointing that way. Yep. So related to your experience on the islands, what do most Bible students do after they graduate? The Bible school students that came before me, I believe are all in ministry. Um, most of them are pastors of churches. So is that a lot of what you're doing is training people to be pastors? Yes. yes. And there's also pastors that I taught for some of the night classes that wanted to come back. Um, they have it structured so that you something similar to an AA is what's required for them to be considered licensed over there. And so some of them had been licensed. They were pastoring but they had not finished the full program. So I was able to teach some of those who had been pastoring for several years. Uh, and then others uh, were um, in training for the ministry. So, All right. So maybe uh, it's possible you said, but we have one question here. How many islands are in Vanuatu? There's 80. 80 some islands, 84, or 88, something like that. And there's uh, of those islands, there are 10 or 12 that are large, um, large by our standards. And, and like so, populations on them, not just remote. 
250,000? There's 280,000 people in Vanuatu, and uh, there's only two cities. There's the city of Port Vila, which is the capital city, with about 40,000 people. And then there is the city of Luganville on the island of Santo with about 15,000 or so. All of the rest are spread out in villages. And some of these villages are very primitive, like the ones that I showed you that we went to in Anaitum. And some of them are close enough to civilization that they have uh, some cases electricity, limited, but they do have some electricity. Um, and other things like, well, they don't have running water, but um, um, you know, other modern conveniences, I should say. Um, so Ifati is the main or is the island with the uh, capital city. And I would, I would guess that there are probably 60, 80,000 people on the island of Ifati. And then there's the uh, island. That about half of them live in the capital. Yes, yes. yes. And you've got the island of Ifati, uh, I'm sorry, uh, the island of Melakula, north of that, uh, furthermost north, the main island is Santo, the island of Pentecost. Um, and then One of the islands is named Pentecost? Yes. And there's an Espiritu San Santo. Yes, Sa Santo, Santo short uh -huh. for Espiritu Santo. Uh, so yes, the Portuguese did a good job of yes. naming them. They didn't do a good job of evangelizing them, but they did do a good job. At least got a few of those names right, like Holy Spirit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, uh, and then you've got the island of Tana, which is a volcanic island. Ambram, there's a lot of witchcraft and uh, voodoo black and magic, black yeah. magic type of thing going on on Ambram. Um, and Tana, for that matter. Um, but uh, that's a, that is a, uh, a volcanic island. You're going to have a lot of superstition. There are very superstitious people, period. So you're going to see a lot of that on those islands where you see the wonders of God on full display from time to time, such as in a volcano. <laughs> <laughs> that uh, that would make anybody pause. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so we have one other question that asks, what kind of dangers did you face? And in particular, they ask, were there any poisonous snakes, spiders, you know, critters like that? Yeah, you know, I have one picture. I hate to kind of end on this picture, but it's a good one to show you. <laughs> We, we were there, so we got there in November, end of November. In March, the COVID pandemic broke out. So just as they were shutting down Vanuatu with COVID, Cyclone Herald came through. So luckily in Port Villa, it wasn't too bad. We had winds that, we had gusts up to, I think, 60 miles an hour, and then sustained winds of 30 to 40. So the damage there wasn't too bad, but up in Santo, it was really bad. It was a category five storm and, and it was bad. So the cyclone and the pandemic at the same time was, was kind of strange, kind of disconcerting. And there are triggers. Oh, oh that's the picture you want to share with us. My goodness. This is, this is a giant centipede and this is what everybody fears these. If yes. it stings you, it hurts. It's one of the most painful stings. And I don't think it's fatal, but it it will hurt. It's very painful, huh? It can yeah. be fatal with small children. Yeah. Um, but if if it 
for an adult, it's just going to hurt. And most of the people who get stung by these, they go to the doctor and they get some kind of a shot, I think. Yeah, but this is what we feared. This is this is, okay. and we actually we actually saw a few of them um, in our home. The beach, Monty. Don't end on that picture. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I've got more positive things to show you, uh, but yeah, let me find something quickly. Something beautiful. We got a minute or two left. Don't end on that. That's terrible. <laughs> All right, I will show you. I will show you uh, where we got dropped off. The plane dropped us off and uh on what they call mystery island mystery mystery island and this is one of the most pretty beaches in the nation but unfortunately it's owned by like a carnival cruise line but uh oh, there's a very beautiful go. beach Thank there you. that's much better don't end with like the the demon <laughs> <laughs> like this yes yes so yeah, like I say, this is this is bought by Carnival Cruise Line or something. So most of the shoreline, I know all of my good dear friends, they gave me such a hard time about walking along the beach and doing beach ministry and all that sort of thing. But most of Vanuatu shore looks like the uh, the tree line that you see in the background. It's wooded. That, wooded, yes. Yeah, it's wooded. Yeah. What you see there is the island of Anaichum and and there are beaches. There are some very pretty beaches, but they're few and far between. A lot of it's just shore, um, a, a soil type shore, and a lot of times it's wooded and, you know, so. It's still gorgeous. Oh, I'd yeah, absolutely. Just than like the demon insect you put up a moment ago. <laughs> <laughs> this, is, this is definitely better than the image of God saying, you know what, let's see how creepy I can make something. <laughs> All right, so it looks like we are about coming to the end of this broadcast. So so let me jump in and say, for those of you who are first-time visitors or if you don't regularly join us, we do this every Friday night. We have different guests on. We are delighted and privileged that this Friday night we have some missionaries that our church has supported who are in the States right now, kind of in between assignments, if I can say it that way. And we were able to snag them and have them join us. And we're delighted. Thank you so much, Lonnie and Jill, for joining us. Our, our pleasure. pleasure. For, for our guests and people who may be finding us, you can find all kinds of information about our church at newarkupc.info. During this COVID pandemic, we're doing a lot on our digital campus. We've leaned into it. We have live broadcasts like this. We have pre-recorded broadcasts. We broadcast six days a week, every day of the week except Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern. We have small groups on Sunday afternoons. We have Children's Church, which is online. On Wednesday evening, we have our youth class, which meets online, and they do all kinds of stuff. On our website, you can submit prayer requests, baptism requests. You can find information about joining a small group. They're open to the public. They're free. Anyone can drop into any one of our multiple small groups anytime they want. You can... Um, partner with us in giving. You can meet some of our staff. All kinds of information is available on our church website. You can look through our media archive. There's plenty of sermons and things for you to look at. So I encourage you to come visit us at newarkupc.info. For our regular viewers, thank you so much for joining in. And once again, Brother Lonnie and Sister Jill Vestal, thank you so much for giving us part of your Friday night. It's always fun. We, we know every month we give money to missions, but it's, it's really cool to, to interact with some missionaries and, and get to actually see pictures and some of the things, you know, that they're doing. God uses you. Some people 
give by going and others go by giving. And Newark family, you're great at giving to missions. And so I'm thrilled that tonight you got to meet one of our missionary couples and see what they're doing. So God bless you all. Thank you so much for joining and have a great evening.